Welcome to the Church at Rocky Peaks Downloadable Messages. This week we'll hear from our student ministries pastor, Dave Cox, as he brings us his message entitled, 24 Hours with God. Any 24 fans here? Uh, See, they have to make noise even as they raise their hands. Yes, it's good to know that I go to church with people who like to be totally stressed out when they watch TV. (laughs) Uh, If you don't watch the show, it's okay. You can get today's message without understanding or or have seen the show, but I want to give you at least the premise the show is called 24, and it, uh, what it does, it takes 24 episodes, it's an hour each episode in one day. So 24 episodes, one hour, uh, in one day in the counter-terrorist unit of Los Angeles. And it's really interesting, really intense, and what that show does, it just kind of zeroes in really close and just examines a day. And I'm using that kind of as a premise because we're going to do that today. We're calling this, How Do You Live 24 Hours with God? So we're going to zero in. If you were here last week, Pastor Mike came and he spoke about time alone with God. What's that look like? Really practical. And these are regular, specific times that you get before the Lord and spend time with Him. This week's message is a little different. Um, Understanding that you're going to take time during your week to spend time alone with God, this message is like a sidebar to last week's message. And next week, Pastor Mike will come back. He'll continue on with a company of the committed messages. But it's like a sidebar. And this message is really just examining what does it mean to take a day and live it for the Lord? Your Monday through Friday day. How do you do that? What does that look like? In fact, there's a scripture that challenges this. It's found in the book of Romans. And uh, Paul wrote this letter. And this letter, like several of Paul's letters, he does something really interesting in this letter. For the first half of the book, he talks about theology, talks about who God is, what he has done who you are in the Lord. And then the second half of the book, he applies it. Really practical. And where we're going to be jumping in today, God had just, or Paul had just spent 11 chapters talking about the compassion of God, talking about the mercy of God in great detail. And then after you turn past 11, you go right into chapter 12. He starts getting really practical. And that's where we're going to dive in right here. It's Romans chapter 12. Verse 1. So turn there in your Bibles. And what we're getting at, he's saying, in light of the compassion, the mercy of God, in light of everything that he has just done, you're supposed to live your life with a constant awareness of him and live every day of your life for him. That's where we jump in here. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, brothers and sisters, In view of God's mercy, in view of everything I just talked about for 11 chapters, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, underline that, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This phrase in there, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, is a really important phrase. In the Old Testament, often when they'd give a sacrifice, that, that sacrifice represented the totality of a person's life, the totality of life. And so when he's using this phrase here too, that meaning is really brought into this. When you say offering your body as a living sacrifice, you're saying, I'm offering the totality of my life for God. Talks about it as a living sacrifice. It's constant. It's ongoing. It's daily. So the idea of living the totality of your life daily, one day at a time, for the Lord. 
And then I love how he adds on that phrase at the end, that this is your spiritual act of worship. Uh, whenever you hear that word spiritual, if you're like me, my thoughts immediately turn to certain things. I think, of, oh yeah, it's the time when I pray. Uh, this is the time that I'm coming to church, that I'm going to be worshiping. Um, and there's sometimes this, this thought that if you're going to be spiritual, you've got to spend three to ten hours a day in prayer. You've got to move to a jungle, and you've got to die a martyr's death. <laughs> Apart from that, you are now a second-class Christian. Paul is saying, no way, hold on. The most spiritual thing that we can be doing is living our day-in, day-out life for God. Uh, if you're following along in your note sheet, you can just kick off by... There's two quick things I just want to say at the introduction to this message. We're calling it 24 Living. First thing I'd just say, what Scripture is saying is that 24 Living is possible. We're not talking theory here. This is real. If you read through Romans, it just goes immediately after uh, saying, off your bodies as a living sacrifice. It says two things real quickly. One, it says... Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. It's basically saying you've got to have a different way of living life. That now that you are a believer, you've got to approach it differently. Right after that, it also says you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is the reprogramming. This means you're going to approach life with a different thought process, a different pattern. So it's possible. But it's intentional. He goes on, it's, uh, 24 living is possible. The second thing I'd have you fill out in, on your outline is this. Is 24 living is very practical. And I say practical because of this. Because what we're talking about is something we all do every day. It's just living life, little steps, little choices, each day at a time. There's sometimes a thought that sometimes if you spend time with God, that'll be like a magic bullet and you're done for the day. There are no magic bullets in Christianity. There's not something where you gain instant maturity. You hear, read a certain verse, uh, you go and hear a certain sermon, uh, you have this amazing experience, and now instantly you're mature. God has designed it in a way that we mature gradually and in process, little by little, day by day. And so my, my hope today is to unwrap Romans 12.1 in a very practical way. By zeroing in, what's it look like to live our life for God? In the morning? In the daytime? In the evening? This is just going to be a very practical message. And my hope is that you'll leave here with some insights that will help you to make better choices throughout your day, each part of your day. Uh, you won't necessarily apply all that you're going to hear today, but I'm sure the Holy Spirit's going to put something on your heart uh, from His Word to help us fulfill Romans 12.1. How do you live your life for God? Let's start with the morning. Uh, before we jump into this section, I have to ask a question. I want to know who morning people are, and let me define it. Uh, morning people are people who wake up happy, uh, <laughs> early. <laughs> You're on a first-name basis with a paper boy. <laughs> you are perky. You get excited because the sun is rising <laughs> when you're awake. Uh, this, is, uh, this is somebody who just... Uh, at 9 o'clock, though, there's this amazing transformation at night. You just, all of a sudden, you're like walking hallucination. You're, it's like out of this world. So you wake up early. You start falling asleep really early at night. But you're considered, you say, yeah, I'm a morning person. Who is that? Raise your hands. A lot of them in here. <laughs> early service, that's why. Uh, 
How many of you get up at least by 6 o'clock? Okay. How about 5 a.m.? 4 a.m.? You work on a farm? I mean, <laughs> you better be milking something if you get up that early. Uh, man. Uh, okay, you're morning people, for sure. Um, I grew up with, my mom was a morning person. Never forget, one day she came in my room vacuuming at 5 a.m. What is going on? Well, I, I thought I was in the twilight zone. And, and, and <laughs> the only language I could speak was the language of Chewbacca. I don't even know what I said. I, uh, uh, so there's a, sometimes an idea with morning people, they tend to think everybody's a morning person. They love to make their phone calls early, do all that stuff early. Now, others are not morning people. Um, you have to do things to get yourself out of bed. You have to set your alarm clock across the room to make you get up. But you learn certain techniques like throwing a pillow to tur- hit snooze so you don't have to get up. You unplug it. I don't know. You do strange things to do it. Now, I'm not saying if you're not a morning person that you're irresponsible and that you don't wake up and you do it. The difference is morning people are happy about it. Uh, they just like waking up early. Now, this, this isn't um, going to be a push to say that you have to be a morning person to be spiritual. Because it almost seemed like growing up in church, it almost was this impression like, if uh, you've got to get up and spend two hours a day with the Lord, uh, you've got to get your vacuuming and your laundry done, uh, and uh, I'll do this, get it all done before 8 a.m. <laughs> Basically very annoying people. Uh, so when you look at that, there's just this kind of flavor that was there. And that's not necessarily true. But what is true is that you need to have some place you connect with God. Whether you wake up at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 1 p.m., whatever it is. But you need to have at least a place of connection. And this is different than what I'm talking, what Mike talked about last week, which is just your time with God, where you're spending some extended time before the Lord, before Him. Even if you're not saying, hey, this is my time with God, there's got to be a place where you connect with Him in the morning. So here's, here's my catchphrase for morning it's be intentional. Be intentional. There's two ways we're going to talk about being intentional. The first is this, intentionally praise. Intentionally praise. Another way of saying this is you're going to simply just remember who God is. Remember who He is. Now why would I say that? Because it immediately puts you into the mode of recognizing God's presence. Recognizing God's power. Recognizing the favor of the Lord. When you... When you do this, there's a scripture I want you to turn to in a second. It was written by Moses. When he wrote this, um, it was just after a time, uh, there's the Ten Commandments, there's, and some amazing things have happened. God demonstrated his power in amazing ways fire, like thunder. His voice was heard. You remember the rains we had on Monday? Lightning and thunder. I love that. In fact, I sat outside, brought my computer outside to work. I was at home. I'm off on Mondays. And I was at home, and I brought it outside into the patio just so I could see the lightning and feel the thunder rock my chest. But there's a sense of ominence in that, isn't there? Like when, you, when that happens, you're like, I am so small. But God is so big. Uh, it's like a spiritual thing for me because it reminds me that I have a God who is so much greater than I am. That's what we're talking about in the morning, remembering who God is. Now, take your Bible, flip all the way towards the beginning to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39. 
And I want you to see how Moses wrote about having this place of focus in your day. It says, acknowledge. Acknowledge and take to heart this day. Great phrase. That the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. That'd be great. Just go read through chapter 4. It's a great chapter. I just highlighted that one verse because I think it, it, it gets to the heart of what we're talking about. That before you rush out, that you look up. What I'm talking about is not a certain amount of time that it takes to do this. What I'm referring to is an attitude that you put on. An attitude you choose to walk into throughout your day. Now, as we go through this message, I'm going to give some suggestions on how to do this. Uh, some of these may work for you. You may have some other suggestions too, but I, I'm going to give you a couple suggestions. How do you even begin to be intentional, to intentionally praise in the morning, remembering who God is? Let me give you a couple. One is this. Before you get out of bed, uh, lately my wife has been uh, getting up early to do a morning jog. Her term. Uh, my term is the run of death. <laughs> Uh, so I will join her. It's been a great thing. But whatever you do in the morning, even before that, this is something I've been thinking about. Before you actually get out of bed, you pause and you connect with God by just doing this. Simple phrases, and you turn your thoughts to Him. Simple prayer. Lord, thank you for waking me this morning. In your grace and your mercy, I want to live my day for you. You could pray something like, God, uh, you're the one who sets limits for the sea. Uh, your mouth, your voice could melt a mountain. Thank you for your power. I pray that today your power would be lived out through me. You're God, I am not. I live my day for you. Lord, thank you for your love and your mercy. Today I want to make you proud by how I live. Lord, please stricken Christy with deep sleep so we don't have to go jogging. <laughs> Whatever your prayers, uh, uh, whatever your prayers. But are you catching what I'm saying? Just at least, do you see, it doesn't take long to do that. I'm just saying, just pause and get an attitude before you start your day. Simple, simple. Maybe it's just as you shower. Um, a buddy of mine does his best prayer time just in the shower in the morning. Because especially if you don't like getting up, uh, that prayer time may turn into an extended prayer time unintentionally <laughs> if you stay in bed. But maybe just stay, you know, pray in the shower. Do the same thing. Recognize the Lord for who He is. Intentionally praise. Another uh, way to be intentional in the morning is this. It's to intentionally ponder. Let me be specific about what I'm saying. This, another way of saying it is just remembering who you are in the Lord. We talked about remembering who God is. Now we're saying remember who you are in the Lord. This is just, in a sense, feeling your worth from God. Scripture is so clear that when you become a Christian, something happens. Whether you feel it or not, you have a new identity. You are deeply loved. When you go out to start your day, you don't have to earn that. You don't have to earn approval. You are deeply loved. You're also on a mission. Scripture calls us an ambassador for Christ. That's a high calling. You are loved and you're on a mission. Great verse. Talks about our identity, who we are in the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Turn to 1 Peter 2, 9. Just even as you're turning there. Remember last week how Pastor... I love 
the illustration Pastor Mike gave about, um, it was like the idea of special forces. Sometimes God sends an advance, or like special forces are advanced troops that go in. They basically paint a target for uh, the strikes. Sometimes God uses us like special forces to go in there and pray, ask for his power to be made known in these situations. He'll put you in places like that. Now look at the, term, the words that 1 Peter 2, 9 use. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, royalty. Uh, you may not own anything on this earth, but you're the child of a king. A people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's just an example. Do you understand? Like just, it's just the idea of saying this. Before you rush out in your day, I don't care what title you carry in your day. Whether you're, um, you're a teacher, a pastor, a police officer, an attorney. Uh, you can, we can go on and on. A student. You have a higher title long before you don that title. That you're a child of a king. Uh, and God wants us to remember that. I'm just saying, these things don't take long to do in the morning. Just intentionally remember that you have a God who is in control. And remember that He is a God who loves you and has a mission for your life. Just remember that. A couple suggestions on how to ponder in the morning. Uh, here's one suggestion. It's, you know, it's the idea, even if you're not doing your time with God, I would just simply say this. Just keep a Bible in the bathroom. You may think that sounds weird. Do you know it only takes about two minutes to read a chapter in Proverbs? One of the first things I used to do is I, I would read Proverbs. It has 31 chapters. Whatever day of the week it is, I'd read that chapter. Really practical. But it's a sense that you're getting your marching orders from God. It helps you orient your thinking for the day. Simple. Maybe, uh, in, in fact, Psalm 119. Those who love your teachings will find true peace and nothing will defeat them. I love that. Um, maybe it's as simple as this. If you drive... Worship as you drive. I love doing that. Um, just get some time alone, especially if you sing terribly. No one will care. <laughs> Worship as you drive. When I, was, uh, when I was a kid, one of the things that really helped me, I, I was in junior high and then even in high school, I used to write down verses that really helped me, really stood out to me as I'd spend time. And again, posting them on my wall, and soon my entire wall was covered. And I'd wake up in the morning and I would glance at that wall. And I memorized so much scripture for that, just by doing that. But it was helped me, it just really helped me focus at a critical time in my life. Suggestion. So maybe you just put something on the dash of your car. Maybe it's on the mirror in your bathroom. Whatever it is. Little reminders from scripture. Um, do you see how simple what we're talking about is? Little steps, daily choices, helping you focus. I love that Jesus says, you know my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, being a believer is not supposed to be this heavy thing where you always are carrying around guilt. But it's a very intentional thing just to even orient your day. In the morning, be intentional. Let's jump into daytime. How do you, uh, how do you live a whole day for God? Daytime. Catchphrase is be alert. Be alert. Um, it's easy to drop our defenses during the day. Uh, something amazing seems to happen. It's, it's easy to turn off somehow in the day. Uh, Two suggestions about being alert. The first one is be alert to show it. And I'll tell you what that means. Be alert to show it. The phrase right next to that in your outline is avoid compartmentalization. Avoid compartmentalization. See, there's a general problem. 
that we can all fall into. Not even intentional. We just kind of just fall into this thing. That at some time we will choose to live for the Lord and other times we don't. It's easy to be Christ-like at some times and Christ-less at other times. Uh, we turn on and off. Just, okay, picture this. Matt, it's like going to a weekend service. Uh, here at Rocky Peak, you leave, you're absolutely on a high. It was exactly what you needed. You're walking out, woo like you're ready to pass out flowers, give hugs to strangers. You're just on a high. You're going home, you're ready to mow the neighbor's lawn and do everyone's chores. It's great. In the morning, the next morning you wake up. And that loving feeling you had is gone. <laughs> uh, and all it takes is on your drive there, uh, some cell phone driver cuts you off. <laughs> and what a difference a day makes. And it's Monday. Um, and it can just set you kind of on a spiral. We just all can fall into that so easily. That's why I want to just say be really intentional. I mean, be very alert. And here's, here's what it is. We're going to be alert just to be an example of who we are. You don't need to turn to this one. This is something that Jesus said in Matthew 5. It's 5.16. And this is his way of saying, if you've been a believer, you've heard this. But it's Matthew 5.16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. There's, remember show and tell when you were a kid? Um, God desires people that the world can see that can really help them visualize what it means to be a believer. God could have chosen any way to reveal himself. But his choice has been you and me. And believers around the world. As a visual representation of what God would do if he were living your life. In your situation. Among your people. Your family. Um... If you've ever uh, been on a jury, you know, like, one of the number one tactics of a defense attorney is to destroy the credibility of a witness. Um, If they can do that, then you can't trust them if they're saying this. In life, it kind of works like that, too. Satan loves to throw that in other people's faces. Someone doesn't know the Lord, they're watching. If they can live like that, then this can't be true. Well, that's not good thinking or reasoning. doesn't mean that that's not true just because someone's not living it. There's still an emotional impact that that has, and it's a turnoff. Um, You're being watched. You're being watched by your boss. You're being watched by your employees. You're being watched by your teacher. Uh, You're being watched by your family. Your kids. You've got kids, the cameras are always rolling. That's what we tell our youth staff. Cameras are on. Um, just keep that in mind. This was, it's, it's, it works in positive ways. You know, I, the reason I'm standing here today is because there are people who made such a distinct impact in my life by the way they lived. It marked me. It gave me a call even to go into ministry because they were real. You have the same advantage, or chance to do that with the people in your life. So be alert to show it. Uh, the second thing I'd say about being alert, be alert to share it. Share it. This is just acknowledging divine appointments or divine encounters. Let me read a verse to you from Colossians 4.2. It's not in the NIV. This is a different version. It says, Be watchful and thankful. 
And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. You ever hear that phrase in Christianity? Well, if God opens a door, Colossians 4. Um, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Um, the sense is this, that you're God's agent. Uh, if God, Jesus doesn't need to be on this earth to do his ministry, he has all of us. You'll be his hands, his feet, his voice. Um, and so you just have to be aware of your circumstances. Let's say you work in an office. Maybe your office has just been moved and you didn't want to move. But God had something in mind because the office you just moved into, the person next door to that office is someone God wants you to interact with regularly. He's got something in mind. You tried to get into a certain house, it fell through, but you got into a different house because there's neighbors there that God wanted you to interact with. You wanted this job, but you couldn't get it. He gave you that job. You tried to enroll in this class, it was full, but he put you in that class because the person sitting in front of you is someone God has an appointment for you to be meeting with, sharing with. I think it's interesting. I have a neighbor that's lived across the street for years, and I live on a busy street, so it's not like you just run across the street and see your neighbors. So see him occasionally, little highs and waves or whatever. Um, but uh, through circumstance, I got a chance to begin interacting with her. I, well, I'll just tell you, I, I pulled her over. <laughs> I didn't realize it. Oh, you're my neighbor. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's who you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so after that, we began talking and dialoguing. Um, Italian family. I was a bachelor at the time, and I had a, a bunch of my roommates. And after we were talking stuff, then they used to always start making us food. You know, bachelors just love that. But there was something very intentional about that, um, that relationship with those neighbors that we had. We'd go and visit a lot. we still still there, still talk to them. Um, but I remember chances just to share the Lord with that family. Um, when crisis hits in that family, who do they call? It doesn't matter if it's 1 o'clock in the morning, they'll call. We've had them sitting there. Um, I remember the day that uh, uh, my mom actually had known them, and we were sitting at a table, we prayed with her to receive Christ, the mother. Able to take the one daughter on one of our youth camps. But do you see, um, if I could choose, I would choose to be able to move <laughs> be a homeowner and have a house, but there's some, something very intentional that the Lord has had for us there. Um, be aware of that in your life. And I say, be aware to share it. Uh, some people say, well, I don't need to really tell people my life is a witness. Yes, but no. Do you realize what an ego that is? Uh, Jesus was perfect, and he had to tell people. <laughs> uh, hello? So just because you're living a great life doesn't mean they're going to automatically say, oh, yeah. Oh, you know, that's all what Jesus is. you got to talk to him. Um, and this is where we get freaked out. This is where it's a little unnerving, especially if you ever word the J word, Jesus, with people who don't know the Lord. So I want to give you a couple suggestions on how to share. Let me first read a scripture from the message translation. It says, The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong and to love them. And here's a great phrase, enjoy being with them. If you will stir up this inner power, you will never be afraid to tell others about our Lord. Uh, it's basically saying the antidote to sharing, the antidote to the fear of sharing is loving him. So if there's anything, I just say be loving. Um, do something where you really enjoy the time. Don't just go with some agenda. That's the most cold, heartless thing you can do. What a turnoff. It's not the MO of Jesus. Be listening. Um, this is a great... I'm going to just read you something. This is a, a book called The Art of Personal Evangelism. 
sharing Jesus in a changing culture. The idea that we live in a postmodern age. How people think and kind of operate are a little bit different. I'm just going to read through this and just maybe this will give you some suggestions as you approach and talk to people in your life. Multiple encounters, less single encounters. You get the sense of relationship behind that? We spent a lot of time with that family across the street before we shared the Lord with them. Not that that couldn't happen earlier, but we wanted to follow the Lord on that. Listener-centered, less witness-centered. More dialogue, less monologue. Gospel story, than gospel presentation. Story, then proposition, not proposition, then story. Basically just saying, maybe the sense of sharing your life, sharing a little bit about your art. Don't just come with all these facts and truth. Asking good questions, not just giving lots of good information. Community integration, not individual isolation. Soft, not loud. You ever heard people, I want to be a spaz for Jesus. No, you were a spaz before Jesus. (laughs) Now you're turning them off. Uh, (laughs) Consideration, not argumentation. More supernatural, less super sales. More earthly benefits, less eternal benefits. More relational validation, less evidentiary validation. This is just key. I have a master's in Christian apologetics. I could give a lot of the facts. I could go through all that. I get excited about that stuff. But apart from, let me just say, if you don't love them, what's 1 Corinthians 13? You have nothing. Nothing. So just be wise. In the daytime, the whole concept, if we're living our life for the Lord in the day, we don't want to just turn off. Be alert. Be alert to show it. Be alert to share it. I love what St. Francis of Assisi said. It's um, he said, preach at all times, and when necessary, use words. Isn't that great? It's a convicting little statement. Let's take a look at the evening, and we'll finish up with that. In the evening, the phrase is this, be considerate. Be considerate. Um, one pastor wrote about an idealized picture of the evening. Let me read it to you. It's kind of funny. Uh, saying that we all imagine this perfect life that we walk into. So it says, you get home from work at exactly 5.15 because the freeways, once again, parted like the Red Sea for you on the way home. (laughs) Everyone rushes to meet you at the door, even the golden retriever. Everyone pitches in to make dinner. It's pasta night at your house. So one of you gets out the pasta maker to make the pasta. Another puts in the homemade bread in the oven. Someone else goes out to your garden to pick the tomatoes and spices for the sauce. And during the meal, you have uh, amazing conversation where everybody shares the experience of the day, their experiences of the day, and their deepest feelings about every one of those experiences. (laughs) Uh, You clean up after dinner together. That takes about two and a half minutes. When all the kids finish their homework with no help from you needed, uh, you go out to the wood shop. And you work together on handcrafted, di- uh, handcrafted dining room table and chairs <laughs> that you're building. You're carving into the back of every one of those chairs scenes from the life of Jesus. <laughs> After everyone's finished their homework, you gather for family entertainment. Instead of playing board games and gardening together, well, like you usually do, <laughs> you're, you're making a movie for the local PBS station on the wonder of family life. You laugh, you cry, you hug. It's certain to win an Emmy. Then the kids all go to bed on time. And you bring out the candles for a wonderful romantic evening. 
And before you go to bed, you fall asleep. And read your, before you fall asleep, you read the Bible and then fall asleep. That's your perfect evening. <laughs> now, in real life, how often does that happen? <laughs> uh, after stuck for two hours in traffic, you get home. There's some cold pizza left on there. Uh, your kid needs help with algebra that you barely made it through 15 years ago. Uh, and you're trying to struggle with them through that. And grab the clicker. You fall asleep in the chair until your wife punches you in the arm. You've got to go to bed. Uh, uh, whatever. Um, it just doesn't work like that. And if you're single, you don't get out of it either. You may have these big visions of how you're going to change the world with everybody. Instead, you stay home watching the OC. <laughs> watching the OC doesn't mean you're living the OC. So, uh, so what do we do? Um, be considerate. I'm going to give a couple suggestions on this. Number one, be, uh, consider others. Consider others. That's Luke 6.31. You've heard this. One of the most famous sayings in all the Bible. We call it the golden rule. Do to others as you'd have them do to you. What do we always tend to feel when we, at the end of a day? You know, at the end of a day, we're kind of beat up. Uh, we don't usually rush out of our day and everyone's just building you up. It just goes perfectly. We're kind of beat up at the end of the day, tired. So whether you're getting home and seeing somebody or whether you're waiting for someone to come home, you have some needs that you would love to be met. You would love for this to be a great part of your day for someone to take care of you, don't you? Jesus just flips this around. This is the time to be considerate. Before you want to get your own needs met, just meet the needs of others first. And if you do that, your needs will be met. Um... I love the message version of this. It says, here's a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. And then grab the initiative and do it for them. Isn't that good? It'd be really easy to get into a pattern where um, you feel like you're always the one doing this and you start counting. How many times have you done this when the other person should have done this? If you're counting, you're failing. Stop counting. Do to others as you'd have them do for you. Um, avoid the standoff. That'll naturally come from that. Let me give a couple suggestions about being considerate. Um, really simple. Thank God for him. It's very hard to be irritated and thankful at the same time. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Maybe it says you're getting ready to see someone that evening. Just briefly. This is, what I'm talking about, it's just not our time with God here. Just as you're driving, in your mind, just be thankful. Thank God for him. Serve him. Maybe it's as simple as just sharing something that was really profound for you that day. And guys, how did it make you feel? And I share that just because that's a piece of your life. They want more than facts. They want to know you. Um, and it works both ways on that. Uh, do what they hate to do without them asking. Maybe you had a divine appointment that day, like we just talked about. Share that with them. But, be, but consider others. Being considerate in the evening, the second thing I'd say is consider yourself. Once you've looked at the needs of other people, consider yourself. If you're like, well, I don't have time for myself, then you're too busy. Um, Ecclesiastes 4.6, it says, it's better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time. If you're living beyond your means, so you have to work so much that you can never get time for yourself, it's too much, you're stretched thin. 
you should have a little bit of time to relax. Have a little time for entertainment. And if you have entertainment in the evening, if you're on the other side and you just gorge on entertainment, Pastor Mike was saying people spend on average what, four hours a day watching TV and sometimes it's up to six. And if you're eating junk food all the time, you can't live on a diet of that. So be wise on how you do your entertainment. We bought a TiVo, you know, one of those digital recorders. We love that thing. Now we watch what we want and don't have to watch commercials. I love it. Uh, time for entertainment, time for sleep. Um, I, can, I can really work myself late. I could get up early and keep going. I, I've kind of learned to do that. I think a lot of us have, haven't we? Um, but we need sleep. Psalm 172 says it's useless to rise early and go to bed late. And work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know? He enjoys giving rest to those that he loves. So you need sleep. Sleep is your investment. Uh, If you don't pay tomorrow, you'll pay in the future for it. So just get some rest. Consider yourself. Let me give you one more in the evening. You considered others. Consider yourself. And the last one is this. Consider Jesus. Um, Quiet your mind. Again, I'm not saying this is necessarily your time with God. It's understanding that throughout your week, you're going to have specific times where you sit before the Lord. But no matter if you're spending your time with God that night, it's just a sense that you're going to have a place where you quiet your mind and let the Lord help process your day. Psalm 94, 19. Lord, when doubts fill my mind, when my heart is in turmoil, quiet me. Give me renewed hope and cheer. That's the living Bible version of that. But the sense of after charging all day, you need a little recharging. You need a little refocusing. Maybe it's as simple as uh, when you go down, here's some suggestions. When you lay down at night, just process before, with the Lord some of your day. Uh, what'd you see, Lord? Anything I need to thank you for? Anything I need to confess? Uh, anything you want me to be aware of for tomorrow? Just dialogue. Maybe a suggestion is this. Just pray with a family member or a friend. If you have roommates, grab a roommate. If you have a spouse, grab your spouse. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do with my wife. So we're laying, before we go to sleep, we pray for each other. Hold each other and pray. It's great just to even be able to do that. If you have kids, cover them in prayer. Pray with them. Uh, and I'll give you one more suggestion. Uh, when God wakes you up, after you go to sleep, there are uh, there are just certain times the Lord will do this. He will wake you up. There's a great uh, scripture. It's in John 21. And it's a, you don't have to turn there or read it right now, but it's about a time when Jesus, uh, you see him, it's after his resurrection. Uh, he was on the shore. He made breakfast for his disciples. They come in shore. This is where he reinstates Peter. But you see that the Lord had a, an appointment waiting for them that, that morning. I think it's a neat picture that there's times that God wants to talk to you, commune with you. And sometimes the best time for that to happen is when the house is absolutely quiet. No one's up. But just kind of take that as, as the Lord tapping you on the shoulder because he wants to be with you. What an honor to go meet with the king. So just be open to that, is all I'd say. It could be some of your sweetest time. It might last for 10 minutes. It might go a little longer or whatever. <laughs> you might fall asleep. <laughs> but uh, just go be with the Lord if he's calling you to do that. Be open to that.
I hope this was helpful today. A picture of how to live out Romans 12.1. In the morning, be very intentional. Praise and ponder who God is, who you are in the Lord. The daytime, be alert to share it, to show it. The evening, just be considerate of others, of yourself, of Jesus. It's real simple. Let's pray together. It's a good morning, Lord. Thank you. Um, Thank you for this time. Thank you for this church. Mostly thank you that we don't have to live our day alone. That we wake up every day with new mercies. So, Father, we're asking that, you know, in, in Romans you said that we, want to, we need to have a whole new way of approaching life, a whole new way of thinking. Father, whatever little steps or suggestions and encouragement from your word that you want people to be thinking about, put those on their heart. Pray that they'd think about them this week. Work those things out, that we'd be more obedient people. Today we'd be moving a little bit closer, being very intentional with you with our life. Just let your spirit work these things out. I want to ask for anybody in here who has never accepted Christ that you're hearing this and you say, I need this. I need to have a relationship with God. You simply just pray and say in your own mind to the Lord, I accept you, Jesus, into my life for dying, for raising, for cleansing me. Um, I want to live a life where I'm not alone. I want to live a life where I get to be with you and have purpose like that. Come into my life today. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.